Hello, welcome to Grain to Plate, a podcast that explores everything food from the first grain to the final plate. This is episode 11 and some nice red beets. It's a familiar sound, sound of an early Saturday morning of your youth or the sound of being an adult on a mid to late Sunday morning. A prequel to cartoons or the soundtrack of a hangover. Song of a temptress. One that has more united fans and or followers than most popular bands. That sizzle and sharp pops. You know what it is. It's okay. Just say it. You're in a safe place. It's bacon. Meat candy. Smoked gold. Hipster meth. Yes, the sound that you hear is the sizzle and pop of bacon. The meat of countless names. However, what you don't hear is the suffering behind it. That is the sound of bacon before it reaches your plate. Now, yes, we are all aware that bacon, just like other meats, is merely amounts of animal flesh that most Americans like with eggs, and the younger generation likes to turn into jam like an overripe apricot. Meat is not sustainable. It takes only 25 gallons of water to produce a pound of wheat, yet 2,500 gallons of water to produce a pound of beef. So what do we do? Do we seriously consider meatless Mondays? Or do vegans need to get better at recruitment? What is that common ground? And what is it like to be a carnivore who decides to no longer eat meat? So if you're following me on Twitter, at grain to plate, all one word, then you will know that I decided to step through the looking glass. I decided to go vegan for 60 days, which I later changed to 90 days once I hit December, or I should say mostly vegan during December, for two reasons. One, being my health. I wanted to see the effects of a daily meat and dairy diet to a no meat and dairy diet, if the effects would be drastic or subtle. And then also, I wanted to see if by merely changing my diet, would I adopt some of the very passionate and extreme beliefs and maybe even the outlook that vegans have about consuming meat. In this era of worldwide terrorism, do you want harmlessness in your personal life, in your family, in your household, in your town, in your state, in your country, in your world. Then we must extend harmlessness to others for harmlessness to return back to us in the areas I just mentioned. Extending harmlessness in our eating rituals, which are the most repetitive of rituals that one ever has on a personal level and on a collective world level, is where harmlessness begins. Ceasing to eat animal flesh, dairy, and eggs, which are jam-packed with violence, sets one on a path of shared interest rather than separate interests. Nobody can give up cheese, cheese, cheese. It's addicting. It's addicting for a reason. There's casein, in, cheese, in milk, 
and it's caseomorphines. It's morphines. It's designed to be addicting. It's designed for a baby calf. It's designed to keep the baby calf coming back to mama, to take a newborn to 800, 1,000 pounds in a year. We abuse animals and we uh, use their flesh for food. We use their excretions for milk. We use uh, their uh, periods for eggs and we call that food. And we do that with no compassion in mind. And then we have federal governments putting uh, fascist laws on us and we complain that they're suppressing our freedoms. But it's this karma that moves, starts from the bottom up and goes to the top. How can we ever expect to be free if we suppress the weakest and most precious members of society. Now that audio was taken from my coverage of the Grow Your Own Festival. Now most of us are familiar with the dogma that surrounds the vegan culture. Yet does a person get to that point by merely not eating meat? Or is it something that is ingrained? Now even the average person feels a tinge of guilt when they realize the process of getting meat to their plate. There was a huge exodus of meat when the documentary Food, Inc. came out. And lots of people went from being daily meat consumers to either vegetarian or completely vegan diets. So I guess to better understand, I had to start. But before I started, I decided to sit down and talk with one of the speakers at the Grow Your Own Festival, someone who is a dedicated vegan, yet at the same time understands those who are not. Sari Dennis, I'm a certified health and wellness counselor and a certified food for life cooking instructor. And I have a private health coaching practice called My Wellness Counts. I think everything is one step at a time. So, you know, when I'm working with my clients, I never start off with don't eat GMOs and don't, and you have to go organic and stop eating meat. It's more of an expression of let's look at what's going on now and how can we slowly start to replace some of the unhealthy foods and unhealthy habits with the things that make us feel better. And once we start incorporating and adding in the good, our body starts telling us when we eat a genetically modified food, this is not good for me and I'm feeling it now in my stomach or suddenly I've got a headache and it's a result of that. But because we've been eating it for so long, same with lactose, we don't even realize the harm that it's doing to our body because we've become so accustomed to being sick and being tired and going to the doctor and living in sort of a lull or a brain fog or with digestive issues. So it is absolutely an important step, but they're all important steps. I wouldn't say that one is more important than the other. Um, and I think that it's really important to meet people where they are. So is it more important that you automatically switch to non-GMO foods? Is it more important that you give up dairy? Should you drink more water? So they're all very important facets, or what I like to call seeds in a well-planted garden. So there's very many seeds that contribute to good health, but I think that this is definitely you know, bringing awareness to people who may not have really even thought about it before. Okay. I am a full-on meat loving, just carnivore, if you will, drinking, probably drink milk every day, um, dairy, everything. So say I want to do this for 60 days. How can I transition from where I am now to that? Is it going to be like dumping cold water on my head? <laughs> Is it easier than that? So walk me through, what can I do? Because to take it to the extreme and after being here at this festival, I'm going to start Monday. Well, first of all, I think you've already 
done the first thing in making a decision to do it. And the why behind identifying your reasons already, you know, when you said you can see it on me and I drink dairy and then you kind of laughed almost with, why am I drinking dairy? I'm a grown man and dairy is really meant for calves not for grown men and not for grown women. It's really not ours to be drinking. And our bodies don't have the enzymes to digest it anymore. So for you, you're already well on your way because in your mind, you've already made that connection to your health and for your reasons for wanting to do it. So that's great. Um, so some people do it very differently and they transition slowly. So they'll embrace meatless Monday and every Monday they'll go meatless. Some people will go meatless until six o'clock and then they'll have meat after six o'clock. So the fact that you wanna do a cold turkey is wonderful. The other thing is to find foods that you enjoy so that when you are thinking about having a burger or a steak, well, you should know that a portobello mushroom marinated in balsamic with some seasonings put on the grill has the same texture and if you season it the way you like to season your steak you're going to emulate the taste and the flavors and the textures that you enjoy. So my biggest fear is how do I counter that protein where I don't have muscle loss if say with this plan I want yes. to start back within a workout regimen to see exactly you know get the full effect and see exactly what so, that's an amazing question. Yeah, so how do I replace my protein? Great, well yeah. that's, that's the fear that most people have, where will I get my protein? And I'm sorry to tell you this, Jonathan, but when vegans hear that, they laugh. Because everything in this world has protein. All plant-based foods have protein. So the myth that we have to eat an animal to get our protein is just that, it's a myth. If we think of some of the largest animals on the planet, the bull and the giraffe and the hippopotamus and the orangutan, what do they eat? They eat plants. They don't, they're not carnivorous. They don't eat other animals to get their protein, and we actually don't need to either. But beans, lentils, chickpeas, nuts, seeds, legumes, they all have wonderful amounts of protein. And the beautiful thing, unlike animal products that have protein in them, they're very alkalizing on the body. Animal products are very acidic. They cause a lot of digestive issues. They cause a lot of heart conditions. You won't find that with the proteins found in plant food. Now, when you do anything overnight, it does send your body into a little bit of a surprise mode, right? You're not feeding it what it's been used to eating. So our body craves what we feed it. So the cravings can occur, that's an effect because you're no longer feeding the body what it knows. Um, you could get dizzy, your um, pores may seep out a different odor, and that's all natural because that's a cleansing process. You're getting rid of the old. The other thing is a lot of people who eat uh, mostly animals and very few plants are backed up, they're constipated, there's stuff that's been sitting in the intestines for a long time. Plants are full of fiber, and all that fiber helps remove all that old stuck stuff that's been in our body. So that's, while it may be nasty to deal with, it's actually a very positive effect. Generally, when you are starting to feed your body more vegetables, nuts, seeds, beans, legumes, sea vegetables, all of that wonderful stuff, you will find that your cravings lessen for the other also. What can someone expect to see? Like, how immediate do you think the effects are? Like, in your person, from going cold turkey, yeah. how immediate were the effects for you? Well, my acid reflux stopped within two weeks. And I had tried so many purple pills and medications, and they would only last for so long, then my body became immune, I'd go on to another one. But that, for me, was a two-week 
time period. Laxatives, I stopped taking immediately, and it was wonderful. So some are immediate, some may take a week or two, because we're all unique and our bodies are all very different. We all you know, assimilate foods at different times very, very interchangeably. So it's different for everybody, but you will notice it. You will notice it. Your taste buds will improve. It will open up, and as I said, you'll start craving foods that are more desirable, and then you'll start wanting to eat more of the healthier foods. Okay. It's really a beautiful thing. I'm excited for your journey. And that is where the journey began. Part two will be more coverage of my journey of being a vegan, where I started and where I ended, and everything in between. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Grain to Plate. This episode was produced by myself, Jonathan Tatum.